myself lucky to have fallen in love with a girl. The city and the river of mud let me know. Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is entitled Crescent City Nights, and Kurt LeBlanc is our GM. This is episode two, and our recap will be given by Joshua Hook. So, without further ado, commencez notre voyage dans les ténèbres. Kurt, I mean, Josh. <laughs> Dear General, Remy here again, except this time I don't have any interesting tales of the long nights I normally write about here in the bourbon barrel speakeasy. No, something mighty different, and I fear much more sinister this time. You see, Rose Noble, one of the many fine singers to grace my establishment, made me privy to some unfortunate happenings down here on Bourbon Street. It would seem that her good friend Katerina Bousseau and her dear mama put out a call for help of sorts. Rose and I headed over to the Bousseau residence, where we were joined by many other fine acquaintances of the family. All responded to that same plea for help, of course. I was pleased to make the acquaintance of Chef Jason Pardue, who owns one of the finest restaurants in New Orleans. Professor Leon Fontenot, who recently accepted a position at the fine institution at Tulane. And of course, there was Detective John Jerry Sanderson, who I quickly recognized from a few of his stops into my speakeasy. After a quick round of pleasantries, we headed inside to learn the grave nature of what had befallen the Busso family and quickly discovered that Katerina's brother, Marcel, had gone missing. That said, and as is the nature of Southern hospitality, Mama and Chef Pardue wasted no time in whipping up a fine New Orleans boy with all the fixings, while the remainder of our party probed for any additional information as to Marcel's whereabouts. Unfortunately, this was of little avail, as the only real information Mama and Katerina could provide was Marcel's tendency to hang around with North Rampart Street, with, let's say, a colorful group of ne'er-do-wells that inhabit that part of town. With a full stomach, a picture of Marcel, but little other information, we bid the Bordeaux ladies a good evening and headed back to the bourbon barrel to capture our thoughts, enjoy a bit of the nightlife, and of course, ask around for any signs of Marcel. Questioning the patrons that evening as to any signs of Marcel proved no use, but the group did decide the best course of action would be to take a trip up to Rampart Street the following morning and question one of my local contacts, Joey Chateau, at his speakeasy, The Cove. I bid my patriots, compatriots adieu and retired for the evening, only to wake up the next morning in a frightful state. My memory doesn't always serve, but I cannot for the life of me account for what actions the previous evening would explain my present state. On top of feeling as ill as I ever have in my life, I woke up with a shooting pain in my left arm, fingernails that appeared to have been clipped down at the quick, and strangest of all, the foot of a chicken clenched in my left hand. Well, as you can imagine, that gave me quite a start, but I was able to compose myself and join the others to carry out the rest of our morning as intended. On our way, I informed my newly found friends of my condition and Rose informed me that it was a warning of some kind, although more than that, she could not say. Upon our arrival at the Cove, Joe did confirm that Marcel had been around the area racking up a hefty tab, but that he hadn't seen him in some time. Continuing our search around Rampart Street, we came into contact with a friendly street hustler by the name of Mo Willie, who provided us with our best lead yet. After separating us from a nickel apiece, Mo pointed us in the direction of a rather seedy establishment known as the Loop Guru. Disguised as a simple coffee house, the Loop Guru had a nasty air about it. Showing Marcel's picture to the man at the counter resulted him in leading our group through a back door and into a dark, smoky room. 
I got the sense that this is where the underbelly of New Orleans resided, and with all the drinking and, uh, call it incense in the room, I rather wasn't far off. It was in that moment that our own Professor Fontenot recognized the target of our inquiry, passed out at the bar at the end of the room. The professor did his best to rouse Marcel, but in that moment, my sickness reemerged, and I rapidly departed the establishment for some fresh air. As Rose and I waited outside this dark establishment, I can't help but wonder what events had drawn Marcel to this place. All we can hope for now is to return him home swiftly, and then I can focus on getting my health back. And more importantly, returning to that normal group of low-life patrons that frequent my beloved bar. To keep in mind the precision and eloquence of your recollections. All right, so here we are. We're at the bar. You guys just found Marcel. He was crying, blabbering. You were trying to get some coffee in him, getting him to sober up and come to a little bit. He looks terrible. Uh, you can't tell how much of it is being drunk. You know, he had a bottle of rot gut there with him. Uh, and how much is, um, you know, just general unkeptedness. Well, you need to get yourself some uh, coffee in you. Also, how did you get yourself into this horrible state? Oh, uh, you know, I, I, I've been, I've, I've been just been trying to, trying to be around people. I don't want to bring, I don't want to bring none of this around, Mama and and my little sister. I, 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 I've been trying to stay. Uh, I've just been trying to keep, keep my head and, and stay around people in case anything else happens. Well, look, I'm here now. I'm living here. I'm, I'm going to be teaching over at, at the, the college, Tulane. Um, if you need anything, if you're in trouble, you need money or something, you give me a call. I'm, I'm always your friend. Oh, so good to see you, Leon. Well, let's get you a little sobered up, but we're gonna, we got to take you home to Mama. She's very worried. Oh, Mama's going to kill me. Probably. But at so least that's not her statement. She's, she's pretty mad. Yeah. So as you kind of uh, get it, get him out of the place and, and you get him in the into the daylight, you can see he he. I mean, he, he hasn't clearly showered in a long time. He's been in his cups for sure, but that's something that seems to 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 go beyond. You know, he looks a little bit a little bit worse than Remy. Um, but they're both they're both sweating. Remy's out sitting on the curb, uh, sweating, kind of holding his stomach a little bit. Uh, and you kind of see uh, he's not too many shades of pale off from from where Marcel's at. Yeah. You guys were asking last time how to how to get around the French Quarter, and there's not too many cars around around the French Quarter at this time. Um, but there are uh, horse and buggy that you could also. Game for transportation. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and hail one of those. You also see that uh, the sky is starting to to get dark. It's getting dark. Okay. This is time. It is well. It's not. It's the sun's not going Lots down. But it's getting dark. That <laughs> um, <happened. laughs> It is. Uh, it is Tuesday, June second. And in June, once the heat sets in for the day, uh, you know, this is a tropical climb. So the, the sky is getting dark with clouds. You're starting to hear a little bit of rumble of thunder. Yeah, we're going to get a rainstorm. And it'll just get hotter and more humid. So, um, 
So he got a little bit of coffee into Marcel before you left. At the end of last game, he had drank a cup of coffee, and he's starting to kind of gain a little bit of bearings. It seems like the, the drink is starting to wear off a little bit, and he's finally starting to kind of take take stock of the rest of you. He sees Rose. Uh, you, your, your cat's friend. That's right. You remember. Uh, Rose, right? Yes. Oh, th th thank you for helping me. No, we got to thank your friend Mo Willie for pointing it, pointing you out to us. He told oh, us where he find you, you know. Mo, Mo Willie is a he's a he's a good good guy. And you see, Marcel, you've you've seen him before, uh, but you really haven't paid too much attention to him right now. He he looks terrible because just the state he's in. But you can see, like, if he shaved, if he showered, uh, if he wasn't drunk, and whatever else is going on, he, he's. He's a he's kind of a he's he's tall he's really well built he's a he'd be a, a handsome guy if he cleaned himself up which is kind of how you remember him Leon you but, know, from, from when but, he was young but what you're telling us is that he looks like he's been in this state for a while now he's pale yeah he's been he's been missing for days he spent way too much time in a bar <laughs> yeah. or opium or what you know what who knows right something all right so, so we a cap. <laughs> A, a buggy mm -hmm. to get us back to uh, the Fallberg Marini. So, anything you guys want to want to talk about on the way? Well, once again, how did you get yourself into this state? What, what's what's been going on? Why are you in this? Are you owe somebody money? No, no, not like that. I don't know. I was just, you know, I I I, I just. I, I quit my job and and I started drinking and, and it got to be just a little too much and I feel like it it got away from me a little bit and then a, a couple of days ago you guys you ever hear of, of voodoo sure you know not 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 like the kind of stuff that that my mama does uh, but the kind of voodoo that that where, where you it just it takes your soul you're talking uh, about I, black magic yeah, yeah, black magic. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in any of that. But I, I, last few days, I feel like, like somebody's been watching me, and then, and then, last night, I, I woke up. I found myself in the street, and I didn't know where I was, and and I had been drinking. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But then I, I reach into my pocket, and I and I found this. And he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a chicken foot. Now, this doesn't. It, it looks like the one that Remy found, but it's a little bit different. It actually has some like beads tied to it and feathers. It's almost kind of like decorated. Uh, well, I'll say that that isn't all that different from what I experienced the other night. Yeah. Now, Remy, when you see that and you see that in Marcel's hand and you see how how in bad shape he is, uh, that that shakes you up. You should probably roll sanity. Okay. Uh, that's a miss. Okay, you should take one point of sanity. Okay. All right, so the horses are going down the cobblestones, clap, 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 clap. You hear a little bit more thunder. Every time the thunder kind of rolls, Marcel jumps, and he, he, he's, you can see he's real shook up. And he says, no, you know, I don't, I tell you, I don't, I don't believe in any of that. I don't, I don't believe in black magic, and, 
And, you know, me and my mama, we, we had arguments about this, but I don't believe in, in all that lower and, and, and all the stuff that mama's into neither. You know, I, I try to be, I know that's, that runs in my family and, and that's a tradition, but I, I, you know, I try to be my own man. And I, uh, re, roll, anyone, you guys are all together, but roll, if you would, roll psychology. Okay. Uh, pass. Um, I'm also I'm I'm sort of putting my arm around him. I'm like, look, yeah, you're with I family now. You're safe. That's a pass for me too. So anybody who who passes the psychology rule, you know that you know myself saying I don't believe in that black magic and all that mumbo jumbo. But you can see he's he's real shook. Right. It's more than a It's more like a superstition. So he's trying i can see that he's trying to deny his own belief in it but he's been raised with it so it's like he can't not believe in it it's right. got him worried i totally get that i i've been in academia now most of my life and i still once i come back to this place i i understand totally makes me nervous okay so a question what does the chicken food actually mean uh, who are you asking? I could roll in a cult roll. Yeah. Well, uh, last game we played, oh, Rose, like a, yeah, Rose passed like her a cult herself. roll and, and told me that it was a warning. So that's all okay. the further that we got. Yeah. Mama would know better than me. I don't know. So, so Remy, what's what's in your head now that you see you kind of see, you, you lost a, a little bit of sanity and, and you see Marcel with his chicken foot that's different? but kind of the same as the one that you woke up with feeling just Yay, terrible. His chicken's better than mine. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly, clearly shaken up. I obviously took the sanity loss and I obviously want to try and figure out if there was any connection between um, what happens to him and I. So I probably asked him, Marcel, I'm, I'm trying to understand because, you know, I didn't have something all that different happen to me the other evening. Is there someone that you come in contact with or, or some event that, that happened before before this, uh, call it a bad omen, showed up in your pocket? Well, I've been, uh, you know, drinking and socializing with all manners of characters, but, you know, I don't I don't have any enemies. Uh, I don't owe anybody any money. I, I, I ain't no kind of trouble except for the trouble I bring on myself. You know, I ain't been in no fights. I, I just don't know. Marcel, if I could ask you, and forgive me if this seems a little bit out of the ordinary, but did you experience any pain in your arm? Uh, I know this sounds really strange, but were your, were your fingernails clipped when you woke up that next morning? Yeah, yeah. And I noticed I had pain in my hand, and, and I noticed that my, my fingernails was also clipped. And, 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 look, at, and look at this. And he, he you know, he he opens up his sleeve a little bit or like by his shoulder and you can see he's got like a, like a giant bruise with almost like a, like a hole in the middle of it. Ugh. Well, that doesn't look safe. Look, enough of, this, enough of this talk about black magic until we get back to the house. All we know right now is there's probably a couple of poor chickens with just one leg hopping around somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I want one. Or one chicken missing. I want to see Mama and tell him I'm sorry for, for making her worry. 
you just got to be kind of careful about where you're talking about this stuff. There's eyes and ears everywhere. But I sort of like that towards the driver of the buggy. Mm. So now the, the, the horse and buggy has crossed over Esplanade Avenue into the Fallburg Marini, um, approaching Marcel's house. Um, the, the sky is about to open up. The, the rumbling of the thunder, now that it's, it, it, there was a lightning that popped just a, just a, just a few seconds ago, uh, really made Marcel jump, and it is about to just start pouring down rain as the horse pulls up to the house. This is kind of a weird question. Would there by chance be a couple of local newspapers in the buggy? Yeah, uh, roll luck. Roll luck. Uh, no. I was just going to say we could hold them over. Our <laughs> um, yeah, no. So the, the horse pulls up to the house, and, and you see the, the curtains open, and you see Katarina's face come in the window, and the curtains close, the door opens up, and she runs out. Marcel! Marcel! And he starts, he starts crying a little bit. Oh, Kat, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And he gets out, you know, you kind of help him out of the buggy, and he's, you know, he's kind of wobbly still, but, but she grabs him, and, and she's hugging him. She says, oh, we missed you so much. Where you been? Where you been, Marcel? And then Mama comes out and stands in the door, and at this point, it just rain just comes down in a sheet like a like a waterfall. Quickly now, let's get inside before we all catch our death of cold. Not that it's cold. <laughs> I don't know. Marcel might want to stay out for a minute, like free bath, you know. Yeah, when you are uh, not expecting to to be soaking wet all of a sudden, and it starts raining the way it does, it it, it actually does get pretty chilly. Um, if I'm, I'm, if I'm wearing a jacket, I'll probably take my jacket off quickly and give it to Rose so that she doesn't get her clothes wet. Okay. Thank you. Doesn't I'll matter. hold it over my head. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's so, go. Let's go. Let's go. So maybe one of you guys helps Katarina, uh, put your arm around Marcel and, and, and help him in. And mama's just standing in the door and she ain't said nothing yet. So everybody goes inside and, and it just starts pouring rain. Lots of thunder and lightning. All right. Mama, he's in a bad way. We need to get him some hot coffee. Oh, I uh, can see he's in a bad way. And she just she looks at him and you can tell she what I mean, make a can you get well, I'm gonna say you don't even have to make a psychology role at this point. You you know mama a little bit. You know she she wants to run over and throw her arms around in the way that Katarina did, but she's mad too and she's hurt. Um, and so she says, I, I I can tell he needs some coffee in him. That boy gonna be the death of me. And she goes into the kitchen and Katarina looks at you guys. She says, oh, thank you. Thank you all so much for chef. Thank you. And, and, and detective, thank, thank you guys so much. You didn't, you didn't have to help us. Thank you so much. So, well, we're all going to go inside anyway. So, yeah, we're all inside now. Yeah. And she says, thank you. And I'll go help Mama with the coffee. That's my help. All right. And she says, thank you, Leon. She runs up and throws her arms around you and gives you a, a, a real big hug. And, you know, your, 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 your linen trousers, while, while perfect for the humid climate, uh, <laughs> you're made aware that they are quite thin in this moment. Right. Oh. <laughs> Um, well, we need to get ourselves dried off. 
All right. So what are we doing? Um, I think it well at the moment at least I'm just sort of situating myself near Marcel. So I can after he gets some coffee, I want to talk to him. But let's calm things down a bit first. I'm I'm assuming I'm still feeling pretty pretty poorly at this point, so I'll go lay down on, on the couch and just kinda I don't know, hang hang out. Okay. Uh Remy, make a, an idea roll. Then is a pass. Okay. Now it, it occurs to you that uh, you saw what you saw on Marcel's shoulder was a, a, a big bruise with what what looked like some kind of uh, wound in the middle of it. You know, you you never really paid too much of close attention after you got up feeling terrible. Uh, you, you know, you had a, a soreness and a bothersomeness in your shoulder, um, but never really never really inspected it. Okay, so I'll go ahead and uh, basically pull down my sleeve and, and take a look and just kind of see if I have a similar uh, injury. Okay. So what you see is a, a smaller bruise. It definitely is some discoloration. It's more like almost an a orangish-yellow bruise that, that looks a little bit more healed. It's not, it's not black, but it is discolored. And right in the middle of that, you see that there's a little tiny puncture. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so I'll bring that to the attention of the group. So I'll basically say, "Yes, come, come here. Look at this. This, this looks exactly like Marcel's injury. This is what I was describing to you. What happened to me earlier this morning?" Hmm. Detective, any thoughts? Does it look like they've been stung by something or injected? Yeah. Can I maybe? Well, can I do a roll to see maybe if I can tell if it was done by maybe a knife or, or something like that? Or, I don't know, that would be my first guess. Maybe it was cut and it's infected. Oh. Yeah. Um, what, what do you have that you could... Do you have any kind of... Um, I think, you know what, a fighting brawl. Just to see if it's uh, like a, a fight one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or maybe a knife or something like that. It will fail that pretty miserable. Um, yeah. Well, you you know it's it's definitely too small to be a, a knife wound. If anything, it it looks more. Whoever said maybe they got stung by something? Like almost a stung like or a, a spider bite or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah it's, there's it's some pretty wounds. nasty spiders in this in this swamp. Yeah. Um, can I do yeah, like a first not a knife wound? Sure, what, like what are you trying to accomplish? I want to see if it looks like uh, there's. Um, a single puncture, or is there a double puncture, like a snake bite? You you, you don't need to roll first aid for that. You can see it's a, a single puncture. Okay, so like a, an insect bite, or maybe a even something in, injected him with something. Is uh, Marcel in a state where I can uh, communicate with him, or is he kind of gone gone away? No, well, he's at, at this point. He's also just kind of sitting on the on the couch. He's, he's still kind of too weak to, you know, just be walking around too much. But um, I imagine Mom was going to bring him something to eat. So I'll, I'll ask him if he's communicative. Just I'll say, um, you know, Marcel, uh, when when you first noticed this uh, this injury on your arm, did it did it start did it start off smaller like mine, or or, or did, was it always quite quite that bruised? 
Well, when I first noticed it, like I said, I, I, I woke up in the street just feeling like I got that I got run over by the streetcar. Uh, it, it, it was it was worse than yours is. It, it, it started off black. Black. And, and so it's gotten better over the last couple of days or, or it, it's looked worse. Uh, it's, it's, it's got worse. Uh, and I thought maybe it was a, maybe a spider by that first until I found uh, the, the chicken foot. I don't want mama to know, but I found that chicken foot in my pocket. And, and I told you, I, I've been feeling like I'm being watched. And, uh, and, and, and I just feel like uh, some, some, some kind of, somebody's either trying to scare me or, or, or attack me or, you know, I, I just don't know what's going on. But I don't, I don't like it. Well, Marcel, I got to be honest with you. I, I already told Mama about the chicken's foot I found in my pocket. And it just seems to be too close a coincidence not to mention something to her, especially, well, given the background that your Mama has with, with these types of dark arts. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Mama's going to whoop me. So um, let, let's switch over to the kitchen. Uh, Rose, you guys are kind of putting together some some coffee and Katarina comes in to help too, and she says, "Rose, thank you for for helping bring my brother home." Oh, it's our pleasure, dear. Just glad he's home safe. And she says, "Hey, can, can I can I ask you one thing? Anything?" And she says, "When you were out, did uh did Leon talk about me? Did he ask about me at all?" Um, I, I actually forget. Did he keep her? No. No, he he was he was too deep in his cups, I think, to really think about much else. Yeah. He was in a really bad state. Oh, don't, she I said, think we got to him just in time, frankly. She asked if if Leon asked about her. Oh, Leon, I'm sorry, never mind. Um, no, 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 no. We we were focused on finding Marcel. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. So, um. So now the coffee's ready and, and mama puts it on the tray and she comes out and she says, she says, where you been, boy? And, and Leon says, oh, mama, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, uh, you know, I had to, I had to just get out of the house for a few days and, and, I, but I'm, I'm back now and I'm going to, I'm going to clean myself up. And she says, yeah, she says, I, I knew that, that the lower would bring you, bring you back home to us. And he says, oh, mama, don't start with that. And she says, well, I've been talking to the spirits every night, boy, have you bring you home. You, 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 you're lucky they help with the way you've been taking their offerings. And he says, mama, I, I told you that I don't believe in all that. You know that. And she says, boy, you don't talk like that in this house. And she's like, I'm going to get you good. And you can see that she just kind of like breaks and she starts crying a little bit. You know, all the emotions kind of coming out and she pulls off her shoe. And she runs at him, and even though it's really hard for him, he gets up, and she starts chasing him around the <laughs> sofa. And, uh, you know, she's not real fast, and he's definitely not real fast either. So they're kind of like both moving in slow motion because she don't get around so good, and she's not real fast. And, uh, and you know, he, he's, he's, he's uh, in the state that he's in. So she's got her shoe out like this, and she's chasing him around the uh, sofa a couple times. Is it, is it possible that I could sort of intervene and uh, like waltz her back into the kitchen? <laughs> well, as you as you stand up to try and intervene, uh, she finally catches up to him and she she swings a shoe and she hits him uh, right on uh, kind of the side where you know where his his injury is and he's ah 
and he and he falls down on the ground. Well, I'm gonna try to waltz her. You know, I've kind of grabbed the shoe and and I I twist her around and I take her into the kitchen. Mama, let's go into the kitchen for a few minutes. Yeah. What What are the rest of you doing as as, as this breaks out? I'm just kind of watching from the sides, sidelines. Just kind of watching hilarity ensue. This, this, is the, this is the funniest thing I've Probably seen all day, so I'm snickering. Chef Detective? Well, could I take a look at the at that chicken's foot, maybe? Or maybe match the... I was going to say, maybe match it up to the scratch on your... on it to see if it could be that. That's... Yeah, maybe I'll have to see if, if if you guys had a quick reaction in the moment. We're kind of in this in this scene of go, go, going around the sofa. Leon stands up. He tries to put his arm around Mom and say, "Come on now." And Rose is watching, and and Remy's kind of chuckling a little bit. Um, so what happens is right as Leon is about to kind of put her arms uh, his arms around Mom, and you know she's she's yelling at him, and and she's got tears coming down now. Is all those emotions coming out, and right before Leon can kind of stop her, she, he, she swings her shoe, hits him on the shoulder. He falls on the ground, and everybody's kind of having a, a laugh if you think it's funny. And Leon's like, "Come on, Mama!" But then here's what happens that you notice is that Leon starts to shake, and he starts to oh. kind of spasm on the ground, and he starts foaming at the mouth a little bit. That's I'm going to rush to Leon's side and see if I can. All right. So you you act in the moment and you rush to to, to Marcel's side. Did you say Marcel's side or Leon's oh, yeah, side? Right. Marcel, okay. yeah. So you run over to Marcel and you can see he's his eyes have rolled back in his head, and he's a shaking, and he's a foam. I'm going to rush to his side as well. Who's first aid? And you come over as well. Um, yeah. And now, so what are you going to try and do? I'm having a seizure, so I, is there anything that I could like put in his mouth to keep him from biting his tongue? Sure, there's um, like a, a pot holder next to next to what, what Mama brought out on the coffee trip to hold the coffee pot. Yeah, I realize at the same time I've grabbed Mama and I've ushered her into the kitchen, so I don't even know what's going on. Okay. So, uh, so you guys are headed towards the kitchen, and and it's actually clear now what's going on. You you can see, and, and Mama can see, even though you've kind of pulled her off. Uh, and then Marcel stops shaking. His eyes will roll back in his head, but they don't come back. He stops moving. Everything gets real quiet. A lightning strike happens outside. Marcel, Marcel. I'll start to shake him a bit. For sure, check his pulse, check his neck. He spasms one more time. Check it, check his pulse. You check his pulse, and it feels very, very weak, getting weaker. And then it stops. And then Marcel's britches fill up with a much less savory form of gumbo. Marcel. I lean over and I slap him in the face. Wake up. And Marcel is, by any measure, including your own stone, quite dead. Mama says, Marcel. So I'm kneeling down, down by, by Marcel's head. Leon, what, what's happening? Leon? Detective, what's happening? Call the doctor. 
Chef, why you why you got a pothole in my boy's mouth? I removed the potholder. What, what, what's happening, Chef? Call the doctor. He's having some sort of a seizure. Chef, what, Chef, what's happening? What's happening to my boy, Leon? I think it's too late. Too late for what? Let's you, let the doctor say that, not not us. No. you saying I killed my boy? No, no, no. It wasn't you. You're saying I, I killed my boy? No, he was in a bad state before before this. Katarina runs out the kitchen. She was the only one who wasn't in the room. Leon! She kind of pushes you aside and sees him. And you can see it and you can smell it and there's foam around his mouth. And Well, I'm going to rather forcefully smell. at this point raise my voice and say, call the goddamn doctor. Should sure, ask Katarina where the doctor is. Assuming they won't have a phone, so I'll find out where he is and I'll go and get They have a phone. Damn doctor. Okay. It's uh Okay, I'm gonna go grab the phone and call the doctor. Call for a doctor. I'll just call the operator and tell the operator and Yeah. So right. I keep trying to to wake him up. Because we don't know CPR at this point in time. I do have some first aid, but I doubt that's this is probably beyond that, isn't it? Yeah, there's no pulse. <laughs> yeah. And usually when someone passes and they release their bowels like that, that's a bit giveaway. So Mama puts her hands in her hair and she's starting to kind of comprehend what's happening here. And she says, oh, oh no. Oh, what did I do? I, I killed my baby. And she kind of falls into Katarina's arms and Katarina starts screaming. I put my arms around both Katerina and Mama and try and try and hug them. Oh, oh, oh. No, no, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. I killed a baby with my shoe. No, 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 Mama. No. Oh. It wasn't your no. shoe. That wasn't it. No. Oh, You didn't no. do this. You didn't do this. <laughs> get this. Get, get the women into the... Oh, my son, my baby. Oh, my baby. Oh. Is there like a uh, crocheted afghan or something on the yeah, couch? That can... something? Yes. Cover the body? Yeah. Well, I ain't giving up yet, and I keep I keep trying to wake him up. Yeah, and his, his you know, he was, he was real feverish and clammy, and, and he's getting, he's getting he's cold. He's getting cold. Um, uh, outside the the sky is it, it's not nighttime. It is mid afternoon, but it looks like it could be nighttime. Uh, the, the sky is black, and water's just coming down in sheets. Lightning's popping. Somewhere you hear a tree branch fall at one of the neighboring yards. Detective, the operator connects you with a local physician. Sure, we need a doctor here. Ask Mama. Actually, ask Mama for for the address. Okay. You, you guys know the address? We probably yeah. know the address, yeah. Yeah. What was, the, what, what, what was what's the situation? Sure, it's really bad here. Marcel's passed out. He's foaming out the mouth. He's got a, he had a fever. And what I think it might be too late, but get a doctor here ASAP. Okay, well, we got we got Dr. Robo's show on uh, on house calls this afternoon. Tell him it's an emergency. Yeah, 
this is an emergency. We need him here as soon as possible. Okay, let me write down the address. We'll send him over as soon as we can. Now, Detective, you know probably what is called for here is not so much a doctor, but the coroner. Yeah. So you are essentially the authority on the scene here. Is there anything you want to do to? Okay, you know what, doctor? Okay, Mama. Okay, let's try to get everybody in the kitchen. Okay. Uh, do you know what? We'll cover uh, Marcel up, up with a blanket or something like that. Okay. You know what? Do you know what? Before the doctor gets here, let's not touch him or anything like that. But we have to make sure to tell the doctor when he gets here about that that scratch on him and how he started with the fever. Because I know this is I know this is kind of weird here. Now you were you were mentioning wanting to look at the the chicken foot, but when when you said yeah. that kind of the the melee was going on around the around the sofa, did you still yeah. want to? Yes, yeah, so what if I check his pockets? Actually, check his pocket for the, that uh, chicken foot, and I'll take a look at, at the scratch on his uh, on his shoulder there. Okay. Um, well, you can you can take the chicken foot. You can you know you don't you don't see anything different than what you saw before, other than the. The color of his skin is, is starting to turn, and and he he sure seems dead. Uh, you know, you see, you're, you're a detective. You've seen a lot of dead bodies, and there's no reason to feel like this isn't the next one that you've seen. Yeah. The ladies, uh, the women are in the kitchen. Uh, Mom is still trying to. You know, you, you hear a lot of screaming, a lot of a lot of hollering from the kitchen. Mom is still trying to push through the door, and 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 Cat and Rose are bringing her back in and trying to calm her down and but it, you can see that cat's trying to be strong for, for mama but she's she's in her own grief uh at this point as as the scene kind of settles a little bit and you all understand what's happening everyone should roll sanity okay. uh, pass. Uh, <laughs> it's a pass everyone passed yeah yeah okay uh, everyone except for Leon, um, it takes no sanity. Leon, you should take one. Right. Um, I'm gonna say, Leon, you're still there, right beside me with the body. Yeah, you're still in the room. Can we get him up off the floor? Lay him on the couch. Yeah, wrap him up in a blanket. Okay, we'll do that. What do you think of uh, this chicken foot here? Do you think we should show the doctor here, or maybe? Uh, I don't know. I was. I'm going to wrap it up in a handkerchief. I was just going to take Mama in the kitchen and tell her that despite him saying that he doesn't believe, everything in his psychology indicated that he believed very much. And this, he could have died of fright being afraid of, of this uh, voodoo. Uh, but I'm not. I. I I consider myself an intelligent human being. He may have been injected with something. Uh, uh, Remy, let me take a look at that thing on your back. Yeah, and okay. the mom is just in, in shock. You know, she she goes between oh my baby and then See I can't believe I killed my baby, and, and she's in shock. And you can do what you can. See if there's a nearby relative, a sister, or somebody we can call for mama so that she has somebody to talk to. An aunt, just somebody else in the family. We got to get people. Oh, here. Well, my, my sister Loretta in, in Lafayette. 
Is there anybody in town? <laughs> Where is Lafayette from here? <clears throat> Lafayette's a, a short train ride away. It's further north in Louisiana. Um, you've heard mention of uh, Aunt Loretta uh, in the context of Aunt Loretta's sweet tea recipe. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking she needs people here. Just This is a traumatic situation. Um, and, and Katarina tells you, the only, she says, other than the three of us, uh, uh, Aunt Loretta's the only, the only family we got. She's up in Lafayette. Uh, I'm going gonna to have to call and Tell her what happened. Doctor's going to, you just take it easy right now. The doctor's going to be here soon. We'll take care of this. You guys stay in the kitchen. All right. I need to see this. How so, about uh, Remy's, uh, Remy's back? Kind of Remy's shoulder. Or shoulder. Does it look like he's been bitten or injected with something, maybe? Do you have medicine? I really don't. I've got first aid. I also have first aid. Have as well. What's that? When the, when the doctor gets here, we got to make sure that the doctor takes a look at you, Remy. Yeah. Given given what just happened to Marcel, I think that'd be wise. So as um, as quickly as the rain started, it stops, and it is it is full bright outside again. It is. It is about 6.30, so the sun comes back out. It's not quite dark yet, but the rain finally – it gets real quiet. Um, and, and you notice that, why, why did it get so quiet all of a sudden? And, and you realize it was because, like, somebody just turned off a shower. Um, it, it was just pouring, and, and it stopped as quickly as it began. Um, there's a knock at the door a few minutes later, and it's Dr. Robichaux. Somebody called for a for doctor? Yeah, doctor. It's uh... – it's probably too late, but uh, here's, he was, uh, he just collapsed. Oh, what? Oh, my goodness. But there was a mark on his shoulder. Show him the Yeah. Show him the mark. Okay, for sure. Show him the mark. He just, what, he just kind of went into a seizure? It went fast. He wasn't feeling good beforehand either. He, he was... Has he been uh, uh, drinking? Oh, yeah. Sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what else can you tell me? Well, our friend over here, uh, Remy, he's got a similar mark on his shoulder. Uh, got it last night, I guess. We don't know what it is. He doesn't know what it is either. Yeah, some sort of an animal bite? Have you, have you ever seen anything like this? And I show him the, show him the mark on my shoulder. Well, let me take a look. And, you know, he looks back at Marceau and says, uh, unfortunately, I can't do anything about your friend. He's going to need the coroner. Well, we need to get that all going. I'll I'll call the, the coroner. Okay. So, uh, Remy, he looks at you and he's like, oh, that, that's a damn thing I've seen. Was you in the, out in the bayous? It looks like you might have a, looks like a, Almost like a spider bite. It's that's the thing about it, Doctor. I haven't haven't been anywhere other than my speakeasy, and certainly not not last night when this first showed up. All right, he takes your temperature. He says, "Well, it's it, it's high, and your temperature is about one hundred point three." He says, "Well, it, it's high, but it looks like you got more flu symptoms than anything else in this." Best I can tell, it might look like a, a spider bite. Um, 
I'll take uh, I'll take some aspirin and try and get some rest. And if it gets any worse, let me know. Yeah, I appreciate that, Doctor, but you don't understand my concern given what just happened to our friend here. Well, you've been uh, you've been drinking, doing drugs. No, sir. Carousing in the in the quarter. Other than uh, other than my normal normal uh, drink or two every every so often uh, at my speakeasy, I I don't I don't drink hardly at all. Hmm. Uh, definitely, I do understand your concern. Um, and uh, that's why I say if your symptoms getting any worse, maybe to head over to Charity Hospital right away. Understood. For sure, Doctor. What do you think of this? What I'm going to show him the I'm going to show him the chicken's foot and the handkerchief. Where I had it? Could it be a scratch from this thing? Uh, gonna, well, uh, I'm going to show him. Uh, this was in Marcel's pocket, and our friend here as well, who has the same symptoms, he has one in his pocket. Well, I know I, you're a professional here, but uh, well, in, in my professional opinion, uh, and I never did a residency in veterinary school, but this looks like a chicken's foot. I thought that's what it was. You've been over by uh, one of the voodoo. And then he sees the one that you're, you know, you're, you're, that you're holding out, and he says, "You, you've been uh, doing some shopping over at one of those uh, tourist shops down on Rampart Street." <laughs> For sure, not me. This was in Marcel's pocket here, and uh, I was just wondering, could this have scratched, like, uh, the nail off off the foot there cause that? I've been practicing medicine for a long time, Detective. I had never seen nobody expire due to a chicken scratch. God knows what's on it. I would, I would uh, handle it with caution. Maybe turn it over to the to the police. Uh, which you've already done since you were the one in possession of said chicken foot. Is there anything else I can help you with today? We don't really know what to do. Other than we call, I've called the coroner. He's on his way. Well, I think look after your 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 other friend here and. Like I said, if his symptoms get any worse, take him over to charity. And I'm, I'm sorry about your son, ma'am. Uh, nothing, nothing more I can do, though. Unfortunately, if I had maybe got to him a couple days ago, we could have administered some antibiotics or tried to clear up whatever this is on his shoulder. Well, maybe you should try and help uh, uh, Remy there. See if that's hey, Remy. Why don't you go to the doctor's, the hospital, right? Doctor, as you mentioned, uh, do you happen to have any aspirin on you, by chance? Uh, I, I tell you what, son. And he, he goes back to his medic medicine kit, um, and he um, he uh, he gets an antibiotic shot ready for you. You're not allergic to penicillin, are you? No, sir. Well, I'm going to give you this shot, and hopefully this will clear you right up. So I'll let him let him go ahead and inject me <laughs> the antibiotic, just to make sure you don't get infected. Uh, in case that uh, you know, he he looks over at your shoulder. He looks back to Marcel, just to make sure that you know there's no infection here. Can I can I ask the group or the GM? Did did Marcel give us any indication when he found the chicken foot? Was it? 
I, I don't think so. Was it last night or was it like three days ago? Do we know that? He told you I, I woke up in the street a couple of days ago couple feeling days. terrible. Okay. Can I also ask the doctor if uh, the foaming at the mouth, <laughs> would that possibly be a sign of poison? Like hydrophobia or rabies? You're asking the doctor, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, if he was having some kind of seizure, uh, foaming at the mouth could certainly be a, an indication of, of many things. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it could be a, a symptom of a seizure that you said okay. he had before he expired. Okay. So at this point, he bids you a good day and says, and again, says, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't do more for your friend. And ma'am tips his hat to Katerina and Mama. Everybody just kind of sits around, waits for the coroner to come take him away. And Mama says, uh, Leon and, and Detective, uh, I think uh, uh, I, I think we just need to to be alone now and, and starts crying again and says, I, I thank you for everything you did. Um, if this was going to happen, if if I'm not the one that killed my boy and he was going to die either way, at least we got the chance to tell him goodbye. So Katarina kind of almost like kind of pulls you guys together and says, I think, I think we need to like let mama have some time. Let just maybe let us be alone for a little while. Will you? Can I call you about the funeral? Um. Yeah. Of course. Can I take Katarina aside for just a second? Katarina, I, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. It's difficult, of course, at this point to even ask you this question. But do you know if mama? Has any enemies? Uh, no, I mean, Mama helps people. Yeah, she's a she's she practices what you might call white voodoo. But is there anybody who's Mama? Mama talks to the and, and, and me too. You know, Mama. Mama's been teaching me uh, these last few years uh, since I've been a teenager about the the Radaloa and uh, how to how to communicate with them to help people and could there be everybody anyone, loves mama could there be anyone in town that has beef against her somebody who oh, wow. just doesn't seem right about this whole thing I don't, I don't know as far as I can tell everybody loves my mama alright well Leon should I show her this what maybe uh, I was going to say maybe when things calm down mama should take a look at what was in his pocket yeah, just let's just leave it off for a while. Um, right now, she's extremely psychologically delicate, so let's let's let her rest for the evening. But yeah, we should we should talk to her about it. Um, so, uh, 
let's let's go ahead and leave. Well, let's go somewhere and talk. Maybe uh, over to Rami's place. Yeah, why don't we all head on back to the speakeasy and debrief on today's events? All right. So let's can we somewhere there? Sure. All right. Now, this whole area has got voodoo culture that's permeated through it all. And I personally, being a man more akin to science, I think that, uh, that it's not the voodoo that does anything, but it's the, the belief in the voodoo. I think Mama even said that. And I think that Marcel may have believed it so much that terror is what may have killed him. But I also think that there are there are voodoo practitioners that are not so innocent and they may use poisons and things like that. I just think that maybe you know, truthfully I'm not much of a believer in voodoo myself. I, I almost wonder if and I'm not saying I do believe in any of that now, but I'm well, just saying maybe maybe it was an affront. Um, to I'm, I'm, I'm far more concerned that it's made to look like voodoo when in fact it's just something like poison. I wish that we knew what happened to you last night. I wish we were paying no. closer attention. Somebody no. had to get in your room and put that chicken foot in your hand. It certainly certainly doesn't seem like there's any any other reasonable explanation, but I, I believe you, Professor. I, I too would rather much rather believe in, in a scientific explanation than this ridiculousness that seems to have plagued Marcel and, and myself over the last forty eight hours. Remy, do you have anyone? Who might have a beef against you? Might want to scare you? Well, I certainly have my fair share of run-ins at the speakeasy. Somebody gets a little too drunk here or there, and I have to show them out. But uh, no particular uh, shady characters come to mind, and certainly uh, wouldn't know if they were voodoo practitioners. You you didn't like throw a a purple coconut at anyone. <laughs> No, I, I believe that's more my my associate's uh, mo. I, I rely on my trusty shotgun. Uh, question for the GM: Would I uh, would I know if any of my patrons were voodoo practitioners? Would I would I have a sense for for that? Being a no. local, um, if it's any patrons you know, but there's nothing that comes to nothing that comes to mind. Okay. You know, and you're and you're a pretty well liked guy. You know, you've you've had to bounce people, but you know, the French Quarter is a rough place. What do the rest of you think? Chef, you're a chef. You know all about poisoning people. <laughs> what are you trying to say about my cooking? <laughs> I I don't know if I have an opinion yet um, other than there's something weird going on. 
I'm very concerned about Remy. He seems to have the exact same thing that Marcel just had. And I suspect it's poison. And if it is poison, we should probably get him to the hospital and see if they could either do some sort of a test to see if he's... Because uh, if there's an antidote, like if it's snake venom, they can maybe give him an antidote and save him sooner than later. I'm not sure they developed that in the 20s, but... So let me give you guys a couple options here. It's um, it's getting late in the day, and uh, you know, in in game time, and you do have some obligations for the next day. Um, uh, Leon, you're expected to check in at the university, um, and and meet your new boss for the first time. Um, chef, you have a uh, you have an event at the restaurant tomorrow that you'll need to prepare for. Um, starting pretty early so we can continue to kind of hang out here and, and, and brainstorm and talk if you would like or we can we can move forward well i just think that somebody somebody should keep an eye on remy uh, yeah for sure do you know what i'll stay what i'm gonna stay here with remy um i don't think he should be left alone and you know what maybe in the morning head over to the hospital because this is too much of a coincidence. Uh, well, that's awfully kind of weirds going on. I, I'm much appreciative uh, of that, Detective. I, I yeah. have to say that I think a, a good night's rest would probably do me some good. I got to head over to the speakeasy as well. Detective, um, could you uh, could you make a um, a spot hidden roll? Yeah. I got to hit the dean's office in the morning, Mister Rufus Woodward. Say so failed that. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, what you notice, um, there's a couple ways that this could go. Um, you failed the roll. What, what you do notice, since you've been observing the chicken's feet a couple times, is yeah. you do you do notice that one is a, a left foot, one is a right foot. Okay. That poor chicken. Okay. First, you're sitting around. Okay, so um, so you kind of go your separate ways, detective. You said you're going to stay with Remy. Yeah. Okay. Um, it is. Uh, it's the next morning, Miss Noble. Uh, you find yourself the next morning on going to follow up on a new shop that you heard about that opened up in in the Algiers Point, which is right across the river from the French Quarter. There's a ferry boat that takes people across. So you were standing on the Algiers Ferry as it's going across the river. And it's wide river and it's dark. And like it was yesterday, the skies get already pretty dark and it's it's hot and humid. And you're just kind of watching the water and thinking about Katerina and the events of the last couple of days. And you notice that it's starting to get a little bit cooler. The wind's blowing a little bit. And it's getting a little bit cooler. And then you catch a chill, and you notice all of a sudden it is downright cold. Ooh. And it gets colder mm. and colder. Oh my goodness. And, I and you see something that and then you see something that you 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 look around and the people that was on the boat with you, uh now they're not there anymore. You're the only one on the boat. And the temperature continues to drop. 
and, and, and you start to shiver. And you thought you, now you see something that you never thought you would see before in the Mississippi River, ice. Oh. Big blocks of ice. And then all of a sudden, the ferry lurches to a stop. And you hear, you hear, some, you hear a woman scream from the other side of the boat. I, I rush towards the voice. And as you run that way, you hear, Rose, help us. And then you hear a man's voice, Rose. What? Do, do I see who's calling me? Well, as you as you run around to the other side of the ferry, because it's kind of a, a place where people can go inside in, in the middle of the ferry, and there's even a couple cars that are on the boat. Uh, but uh, every, everything's empty on the boat. You know, there's no cars like there was. There's no people like there was. Uh, and you run around the other side of the boat, and you actually see in the water uh, your your parents. Uh, and 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 they are they're holding on to the side of the boat that seems to have, and again, defying all logic, hit an iceberg in the middle of the Mississippi River. Mama, Papa, is, is it you? Help us, Rose. I, I reach down and try to, to touch them, try to get at them. And just before you can kind of grab their arms, they both Take my hand. let go and fall into the frozen and muddy river. No. And you start yourself awake uh, the next morning. Uh, Papa, what? As you come out of your dream, you may collect yourself and roll sanity. My goodness. Okay, we'll stand. Oh, what's my stand now? Okay. 36 made it. All right. It took one point oh, of sanity. Oh, mama. Oh, papa. Oh. Oh. Chefs. Yes. Chefs, the event that you have today um, is, unfortunately, another type of funeral. Um, you have some frequent customers and some good friends of yours, the Thibodeaux, Donald and Alice. And Donald recently has passed away himself from a heart attack. He's a man who lived a, a good life. He was a regular customer of yours and a friend, him and his wife. And Alice wanted to have a celebration at the restaurant. Now, it's always a tragic thing when a young man dies before his time, like Marcel did. But when somebody has lived a full life and they die in New Orleans, we celebrate the fact that they live, not more than the fact that they died. And all of his friends are there and some family, and they want to eat some good food and hear some good music and talk about their friend Donald. And Alice Thibodeau comes up, and she's wearing a black dress, and she gives you a big hug, and she says, hey, Chef, thank you so much for letting us do this here. Uh, absolutely, Alice. Any, anything I can do, just let me know. I will. I will. Let's uh, let's have some coffee uh, and some and some beignets down at the Cafe du Mar once once all this passes. Mm -hmm. And you know you had you know previously spent some time with them uh, as friends and uh, seen some other restaurant other restaurants and eating coffee and beignets and, and they're good people. Yeah. So that's what you're doing today. Okay. Leon, you are. Yes, sir in the English department of Tulane University. And you're unpacking some boxes in your office and you just met the Dean. Yeah, Dean Rufus Woodward. Dean Woodward, there's a knock at the door. 
Yes. Come uh, in. Uh, pr pr Professor Fontenot? Uh, yes. Hi. Hi. Oh, wow. This, this is cool. Uh, how, how you doing? Bonjour. Bonjour. I, I'm excited that, that you're going to be at Tulane. My name is Walter. Walter Resnick. And he holds out his hand for you to shake. Well, nice to meet you, Walter. Are you going to be a student here? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm an incoming freshman from Nashville. From Nashville? Yeah, yeah. Just just got to New Orleans. I'm going to be going to, going to Tulane uh, starting starting this coming semester. Go go Green Wave. Excellent. What uh, what classes will you be taking? Well, general studies at first, but I'm a big fan of your work. I, I, I've read your dissertation from Miskatani. Oh. And, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I get my prereqs out of the way, I'm I'm looking forward to taking some of your classes, Professor. Cool. Do you have any language in, in particular you're looking to learn? Uh, this is New Orleans. I got to learn French. I'm, I'm interested in learning about the, the Creole dialects. Ah, well, you came to the right person. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I, I just want to. I, I saw your uh, your nameplate up on the door and and heard you in here. I just wanted to say hi. Well, it's nice to meet you, Walter. Uh, you too. Too. Um, and then uh, uh, Mr. Woodward comes in and knocks. He says, "I found no." He says, "There's a call for you over at the office." Sure, thank you. Um, I'm still learning my way around here. Could you point me in the right direction? Yeah, you follow me, and he takes you back to right. the to the English office. All right. Um, so I pick up the phone. Uh, this is uh, Professor Leon Fontenot. Leon, it's it's Katerina. Hi. Oh, uh, Katerina. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this about as well as could be expected. I just wanted to let you know we're going to have the funeral for Marcel tomorrow. All right. Uh, is there going to be any kind of uh, wake? Yeah, we're going to come back to the house afterwards and have some people over. All right. Tomorrow what time? 8 a.m. at St. Louis number one. You got it. I'm so sorry about your brother. Thank you. I, I'm you know, he may have gotten messed up at the very end, but he was a good person. He was always a good person. Yeah, I know. He was. He Some was of good. us just get a little lost on the way. But yeah. we had him, we got him home before the, the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried about Mama. I think I think she'll be okay, but she she's blaming herself, which is the worst thing. Will you tell her to hang in there? I will. Uh, see you tomorrow, Leon. See you tomorrow. I didn't get where it was. Uh, you said 8 a.m. at? St. Louis number one. St. Louis Cemetery number one. Number one. All right. As opposed to number two and number three. All right. Uh, thank you, Dean. For and, she tells you, and she tells you, too, on, on the phone before she says, bring, bring your friends. Of course. Yes, it's a bad thing, Dean. Uh, a friend of mine, close friend of mine, uh, got himself in a bad way, and he passed away yesterday, right in oh. front of us in the living room. Oh, that's terrible. Terrible font, no. Nasty business. Well, I haven't seen him for a long time, but uh, it was quite a shock. See, the worst shock is for his mother and sister, who were right there, too, when it happened. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, thank I'm you sorry. so much. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, anyways, thank you for showing me around. I'll uh, I'll just go back to my office and put my stuff away. Okay, let me let me know if you need anything, Fontenot. Thanks.
Sorry about your friend. Okay. All right. So that's kind of what's happening on on Wednesday. Um, shall we? I, I assume that you'll contact everyone else about the funeral. Yeah, I'll contact everyone as soon as I get back to my uh, my house. Um, I also want to check up on Remy and. Uh, oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the next morning comes. Uh, so we'll back up to the to the morning of Wednesday, and Remy, you were actually really happy to know that you're feeling a little bit better. Uh, is the is the detective still with me? It's for sure. Yeah. So I'll just uh, I'll make mention of that too. I'll just say, uh, uh, detective, I I really appreciate you you hanging in there with me. I, I'm happy to say that I feel a million times better than I did the last few days. Well, that's good. Here, let's take a look at that thing again. Maybe it's gotten better, but I'd still go and see. Uh, doctor about it that's a fine idea and i'll go ahead and just kind of take a peek yeah. again and over my shoulder it's fading oh it's okay. fading okay well that that's certainly a, a sight for sore eyes i i was i was getting a little worried there i have to admit uh i'm not as i mentioned i'm not much of a voodoo believer but uh strange coincidence i have to admit Well, it's working out. So, Remy, you get a call from from Leon at some point during the day, who informs you about the funeral to take place eight a.m. at St. Louis Number One, the following okay. day. So, I'll let uh, the detective know that that's what's going on and uh, make arrangements to head over there at eight a.m. Um, does anyone have any sort of uh, local history? I've got fairly decent history. And John Jerry, are you a native? Okay, I'm trying to remember. Are any of you guys natives? Uh, I I am a native, but my history is very low. Okay. Well, you you would you would know this for sure. I'm not a native. Okay. Um, Anyone who passes local history and and any any native would know, uh, especially a, a native to the French Quarter. That St. Louis Number One is one of the most famous cemeteries in New Orleans. That many of the old Creole families, because it's so old, are are buried there. Um, the tomb of, of the famous Voodoo Queen Marie Laveau is also in St. Louis Cemetery Number One. Uh, when people visit it, um, you'll find uh, you, you know it's famous because people will will. Put an X on the tomb and make a wish, and and, and the legend has it that Marie Laveau will, will grant your wish. So that's that's what you know about St. Louis Number One. And uh, are you guys gonna kind of meet up to go together? Or are you gonna? Well, we'll probably just congregate in front of the cemetery gates. I assume there are gates. Mm -hmm. There are gates, and this is actually what it looks like, uh, just to give you a idea. In New Orleans, the dead are buried above ground because, because when it floods, yeah, because like we talked about earlier, since it's below sea level, um, the bodies will come up if they're in the ground, and nobody wants that. 
And so are they are they buried one on top of each other as they go? Mm-hmm. Is that why they get tall? Yeah, these are these are family tombs essentially, um, and they can they can put a lot of people in there if they need to. Uh, you can see it's just, it really these cemeteries really are a beautiful and and a necropolis uh, in their own right. Very, they're very close together and have these almost look like alleyways that that go in between. St. Louis number one in particular, it can be a, a little bit of a maze because it's they're not arranged in a, in a perfect grid. So it can be a, a, a lot of fun to be a kid and get lost on, on Halloween. So you see other people arrive. Um, uh, uh, a buggy pulls up and, and you see Mama and Katerina get out. There's a, a priest that's with them, a Catholic priest. Um, and, and they come up and... and the, the caretakers already have, you know, Marcel in, in the tomb. Um, and so everybody kind of stands around it. There's some other people there as well. You feel like uh, you, you would imagine there'd be neighbors or family friends. Um, there's a couple young guys there as well that might have known Marcel. And when mama comes out of the buggy, she's got, she's being helped by the priest on, on one arm. And also there's a lady, it's interesting because uh, there's a lady who's much older than mama, but she's actually kind of whole, you know, they're, they're kind of helping each other and, and with the priests that are all kind of coming out together. It's a, a old, older lady and, and they all come and, and they see you. And of course, Leon Katarina runs up and gives you a big hug and a kiss on the cheek and, and a big hug for Rose and, and, and tells, tells everyone else, hi, 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 hi gentlemen. Um, and then uh, mama comes up and the Leon, gives you a hug and, and goes to chef and gives him a big hug and, and detective and Remy and Rose, and, you know, it's just, you can tell she's doing much better. She's had a couple days to process now and she is in mourning uh, and, and grieving, but she's, last time you seen her, she was in shock. So she's definitely looking much better. Okay. And, and she, oh, and she introduces the lady she's with. She's like, this is my, this is my big sister, Loretta. In from Lafayette. Nice to meet you, ma'am. Professor, I heard about you from my granddaughter. No, no, my, my niece. Well, I'm so sorry what happened. Thank you. As are we all. So shall we? Um, the priest says, shall we? And they come around and they have the tomb that's, that's, that's open uh, it was open. It's closed now. Uh, you didn't get to kind of see inside. The coffin is already in there when you get there. But uh, since it's so kind of cramped, everybody has to has to kind of uh, group up. And you know, the priest comes and, and talks about Marcel and you know how he was a just a good man. And then he uh, he opens up his Bible and he says, uh, "There's a time for everything under the heavens, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plan and a time to uproot." A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time for peace. I have seen the business that God has given to mortals to busy themselves with. So this is going on, funeral service, obviously, read from Ecclesiastes. Now, 
as he's talking, if you guys would um, make a spot hidden. Got a 14. 23 is a hard pass for me as well. Uh, I barely missed it. So anyone who passed, you're looking in a direction where you see from the picture, you've kind of got these alleys of tombs, but but there is a kind of an oak tree on, on the far edge of of, of the, the lane of, that winds through the tombs. And you see a, an old an old black man that's that's kind of sort of behind the trees, kind of he almost seems like he's like He's not really hiding, but he's he's kind of on the side of the tree, and he's just watching. So uh, I'll I'll uh, kind of lean over and nudge Leon because clearly he's kind of looking in that direction as well. And I'll go, Professor, uh, Professor, do you, you see that gentleman over there? Yeah, maybe the groundskeeper, maybe something like that. I'm seems a seems awfully interested in what's going on over here. What can you do? Just a bystander, probably. I can't yes. believe my friend's gone. So you guys do this. You guys do this little huddle, talk about this guy, and Leon says, uh, "You know, it's nothing to probably worry about." And you, you look back and you notice he's gone. Was there anything unusual about him? The way he was dressed or anything like that? Well, you, you mentioned he could have been the groundskeeper, and that's you know when you see him, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. He, he's he's very old. Um, and 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 wearing kind of worker clothes, but I mean, no, it's definitely wouldn't be unusual to see a uh, you know a black man as a groundskeeper or or anything like that. The, the only thing that was really noteworthy is just the you know he he was really paying attention. Well, I I sort of say to uh, to Remy, you know. For us, this day is not going to end for a long time. It's going to stick in our minds, but for, for that guy over there, he's just waiting for us to finish so he can clean up. It's just a job yeah, for him. And certainly may be true. And I just uh, noticed you noticed him as well, so thought I'd bring it to your attention. Yeah, you ain't hallucinating yet, my friend. How's that shoulder? Much better. I appreciate you asking. I feel uh, feel quite a bit better than I did the day before. There's still something there. We got to figure out what's going on. That's somebody playing a prank on you, maybe. And I hope that's all it is. Maybe we'll talk later. So at this point, the priest has kind of finished the sermon, and everybody's kind of breaking up and going over to hug and kiss Mama and Aunt Loretta and Katerina, and they start going their ways. Mama comes over to you and gives you a, a, a hug again, Leon, says, hey, you all, you all going to come back to the house with something to eat? Absolutely. So we can uh, drink a toast to our dear departed friend, family. Okay, then. And they go back to their buggy, and, and, and Katerina says, Leon, ride, ride with us. All right. Do any of you guys have a car? Well, I'm not a local, so no, I don't. I do not. Okay. So maybe you uh, you could ride a trolley to get closer or 
find another buggy. You know, they're 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 pretty pretty prevalent in the area to get over there. It's almost like a little funeral procession. There are a couple cars, um, but there's a few horse and buggies as well. Just processing back to back to Mama's house. Once you get there, um, there's other there's a few more neighbors that are in the house, and they, they've been they've been cooking so that Mama doesn't have to. And people are bringing over food, so there's all kinds of good stuff to eat if you're, you know, if you're not too sad to be hungry. Um, that there is some good stuff to eat, and people are trying to be social you know they're kind of milling about and talking about you know the shared memories of marcel when he was a boy and um, you know he, he there was a couple a couple of his more recent friends over there and and you know you can tell at first mama wants to kind of run him off but um you know she lets him stay and and it's nice to him okay um i just wanted to point out i'm looking at the map it looks like that c1 is right on the edge of the french quarter mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Lewis number one. Yeah. So it's probably within walking distance. Yes, it's not far. <clears throat> so I'm, uh, I'm sort of milling about. Anything in, in particular that you guys want to want to do? Well, that? sharing stories with the people that are there about Marcel finding out what their relationships are to him, seeing if there's anyone who doesn't seem like they belong there. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you guys are kind of milling around, making small talk. Um, everybody seems nice enough, and everybody's got their stories about Marcel. A lot of the people, you know, they've lived in a name. They've known Marcel all his life, you know, since he was a boy. Um, so a lot of the stories, like, ah, when Marcel was five and he, you know, egged the side of my house or um, – you know, when Marcel was ten, and he, you know, just uh, Marcel's always been up to mischief, and and uh, you know, once you get him talking, they're like, "Hey, aren't you uh, that friend he, he used to run around with all the time?" So a couple of them even remember remember Leon. Uh, a, a few people are uh, curious about who the rest of you are, um, especially Chef. You're getting a, a, a lot of uh, oh, we're definitely gonna have to come by the restaurant, and you know, we we heard of you. Um, there's no, uh, there's not really a whole lot of talk of, of foul play. You know, there's kind of the consensus based on the state where, where, where Marcel was found that consumption of, you know, alcohol, you know, right. Over, over consumption. Yeah. It was kind of hard living, you know, was kind of ruled the, the cause of death there. So, uh, detective, you would, you would know that there's not really any kind of official investigation or anything like that. But, uh, after a little bit of doing that, Katerina comes over to you guys and, uh, and says, Hey, uh, Rose, um, Aunt Loretta wants to talk to you guys out on the porch. Oh, of course. She wants to talk to all of us. She, she just yeah. finds Rose and, and tells her that uh, it, it letter would like to see you guys outside. Okay. Uh, I, I go and find you guys and just kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, come on. All right. So we go out there. So you got on the front porch and Aunt Loretta's there on a, on a rocking chair. And uh, she's got like a, she's got a giant jar of, of the sweet tea with, with a ladle in it. Um, she's like, yeah. Yeah, I want some. Of course. Sure. So she um, 
she's got some some uh, glasses that are out there. This is like a giant jar of sun tea, and she puts it in there, and, and you know you have it. It's that same tea you've been drinking, and feels like you need to chew on it. And Aunt Loretta reaches behind on the windowsill behind her, where she's sitting on the rocking chair, and gets her teeth and and puts them in. She says, "You keep drinking this tea, you're gonna need some of these." referring to her teeth um, and she said I, I just want to I want to thank y'all for, for being here for my sister and my niece and you know for doing what you could for myself uh, sad business it was the least we could do yeah yeah I was uh, I, I was uh, and she's she's looking really kind of like wistful and she's looking out just across the street but looking out into just kind of nowhere, and she says, you know, I was, I was a little girl the first, at, at the end of the wall, at the end of the voodoo wall. Uh, I thought it was over. What, uh... Voodoo war? What do you mean you thought it was over? What what voodoo war? Uh, she says, you you might not know this, but my family, the, the Boisseau family, we're, we're one of the oldest Creole families in the city. And, uh, and then the Fitzalans came along, and they were they were they were jealous, and I I I, I didn't I didn't think that any of them was still around. I'll, I'll tell you, um, but I, it seems like it seems like I was wrong. So, Aunt Loretta, you think that there is something involved here that has to do with voodoo? She says, listen, Professor, she's like, you, you, you know maybe a little bit about my family's history, but you don't know everything. And she says, uh, the, the Faison family, they, they worship something evil that, that, that flows through their veins. And way back before the, during the, the war of Northern aggression, they were jealous of our family's wealth and, and the influence that we had in the city. So... Back during the war, they, they tried to kill us all. Well, my, my, my family, we, we were one of the most powerful practices of the spirits in the city. And and there was a lot more of us back then. And now there's only me and my little sister and, and her kids. And I thought there was even fewer of the Fizan left, if any, but I, I guess I was wrong. Well, I had asked Katerina if she thought that Mama had any enemies. Now you're saying that she might. Uh, well, Katerina don't know everything about the history of our family. That's that was dark times, and we thought all that was behind us. My sister, she she just wants to help people. You know, she talks to the the rider lower, uh, the good spirits, but the Fazans, they trouble the, the petrol lower, the dark ones. The dark ones. And Loretta, about how long ago did the voodoo war end? Well, like I said, it was, it all came to a head during the, the war of Southern independence. And after that, almost all of the Fizan family was killed, wiped out. And then the ones that was left, we drove them out of the city. They, uh, they, they called. They called for a truce, and we let the ones that was left live. Uh, Andre, he's got to be dead by now. But 
Andre and his family left and they were some of the last of the Faisans and we told them they could never set foot in the Crescent City again. And in return, we would let them live and, and give them peace. Uh, Aunt Loretta, um, detective, do you still have the uh, the appendages? Yes, I do in my pocket, so I pulled it out of my pocket. It's wrapped up here. Aunt, Aunt Loretta, we found one of these in Marcel's pocket. Chicken's foot. And he had on his back a very nasty looking mark like a sting or a spider bite, bite. or something. And mine mine is faint, but I'll I'll lean over and uh, show Aunt Loretta my mark and say, you know, not not all that different than this one. And he found the other chicken foot. Do are we in the middle of some sort of a Resurgence of the uh, Faison, is it? That's how you pronounce it. The Faison, and like like I said, I mean, this was this was eighteen sixty two. The 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 whole city was under. It was a different time. I mean, the city was under occupation. Uh, I I can't even imagine. I mean, I was a, a young girl back then. That was so long ago. I mean, this was bef way before, uh, you know, you or, or Marcel or Katerina was even born. What does this chicken foot mean? Well, the chicken foot uh, it means, uh, it typically means some kind of warning. Uh, beware or, 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 or go away. Chicken foot letting somebody know that they've been involved in something they don't want to be in. <clears throat> Well, then, then the question arises, what is it that Marcel and Leon, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> Remy, have been involved in that they've both gotten a warning to go away? Well, Professor, yeah, I'm, I'm just an old lady. I think that's for you to find out. Yeah, have some more of this sweet tea. You know, Mama told Remy that she thought he'd been pranked. Now you're telling us this might be more serious. Deadly serious, Miss Noble. We all had a wake after all. Why would uh, why would Mama keep something like that from us? She wouldn't want to scare us. Well, to be honest with y'all, I'm not sure if my sister knows all of this either. You know, she she was just a baby at the time. You know, I'm uh, I, I was hoping that all this nasty business would would die with me in the last of the Faisans. Uh, I never wanted to scare my sister, scare my niece and nephew. And Loretta, to the to the best of your knowledge, uh, any of the Faisans still running around Crescent City? And I, I know you mentioned that. Told them not to come back, but uh, certainly sounds like sounds like some of their remnants may be around. Well, the Faisans, like I told you, they, in order to for any of them to escape with their lives at the end of the Voodoo Wall, 
the condition was that they never set foot in the Crescent City again. Uh, they got drove out of town somewhere into the bayous, and uh, they just fell out of history. Into the bayous. Well, it seems ridiculous that they'd come back now. They're getting revenge on what would have amounted to small children that were around back then. Horrible and evil. What if they're yeah, just trying true. to? What if they're just trying to scare you away? Is this land valuable? This land ain't nothing but but a house, and you know, I I, I don't even live in the city anymore. I'm I'm up in Lafayette. And we got uh, or Remy here. He ain't hurting nobody. Why would yeah. they be trying to scare him away? It's certainly true, but uh, certainly got myself mixed up in uh, this business with Marcel, and he's clearly gotten himself mixed up in, in something much larger. You think that because we were looking for Marcel, somebody sent you a warning. Somebody sent us a warning. Certainly possible. They could have just slipped a damn note under your door and not not the chicken's foot. <laughs> yeah, Nobody had to go hurt no chicken. Shoulder. Well, I, I'm sorry, you good folks. You all seem like good people, and I'm I'm sorry you got mixed up in my family's dark history. I do certainly hope you're able to extricate yourself in this situation, but please do also. Keep an eye on the rest of us. If you uh, go back far enough, my dear, we've all got dark history. We're all human beings, and we all deserve to be treated with respect, except for the evil ones. Hmm. That is indeed true, Professor. So, well, now, it is still pretty early in the day. Remember, the funeral was only it was about 8 a.m. and now it's it's a it's about 12 30 in the p.m. you've got a little um, bit of information that you didn't have before i'm i'm kind of curious does anybody think that we should go check the library see if we can find out more about this voodoo war if there's anything at all yeah. Maybe you can check the university. Good... Maybe they've got some papers written on it. Maybe somebody did their dissertation or their, their thesis on the, the subject. Maybe the Hall of Records to check out the Faisans. Yeah. Well, you know, at your very own university at Tulane is a world-class research library. Right. Plus, you can find things to that other library. people have researched. Um, it's a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. The school's still not in session, but there's people there. Um, shall we head over there? Sounds good. So you guys can take the trolley to the garden district, the Tulane library. Um, what specifically are we looking for? Uh, anything that talks about uh, the Civil War, uh, voodoo wars, or religious wars that were going on in New Orleans at the beginning of the Civil War. So you find, uh, obviously, being New Orleans, 
more information on the Civil War than you could know what to do with. Uh, let's have some library use roles. As voodoo is the. And the phasons. Oh, uh, yeah, I passed. It's just a regular pass. Okay. Ah, I missed. 93. And this is what I made for. <laughs> Anyone else pass? Detective Chef? This is not my forte, but I will try anyway. He found cookbooks from the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Stew. Lots of stew. Well, I missed it by one point, so I'll spend a luck if nobody else gets it. Okay. Well, I, I did get it. Okay. Just a regular pass. Well, I'm going to tell you what you guys find here. So, um, uh, Professor, you were searching Faison and Chef. So both both of you found something. So I'm going to show you first. And Professor, if you would read this when it comes up. <clears throat> yeah, here we go. I found something. The 28th Massachusetts breaks up cult meeting. A cult meeting. How very interesting. November 18th, 1863. The 28th Regiment from Massachusetts raided a farm on the outskirts of New Orleans uh, last week. After months of complaints about stolen livestock, General Butler sent the 28th uh, to camp in the swamp outside of New Orleans to prevent further thefts. A routine patrol overheard unholy chanting and singing coming from the Fazan uh, property and uh, investigated the commotion. The soldiers witnessed the sacrifice of a cow to a tall statue and rushed back to their camp to report the black magic ritual. Captain Blackwell ordered an immediate raid to be conducted on the farm. The soldiers called for a surrender but only received gunfire in return. Eight members of the Fazan family were killed, two soldiers were killed, and five wounded. So we found something that has to do with the beginnings of this war, hopefully the beginnings. Sacrifices to a pagan deity, a statue, and... Uh, wow. Wow. So we got uh, in the swamp just outside of New Orleans is where these uh, this Fazan family had a farm. Is it possible to research this further? The, the 28th Regiment uh, see if there's uh, further well, details, me, military records. Well, let me show you what Chef found. And uh, Chef, will you read this? Guerrilla rebels in the Crescent City, March 30th, 1863. Another business in the black section of town was destroyed by what are claimed to be Confederate guerrillas. An explosion destroyed a barbershop owned by the Bousseau family. It is the third business that the Bousseau family has lost the Confederates out of the five total for the city. We know what's really happening. It's those damn Fazanads. We're going to settle this soon enough. Louis Bousseau told the Daily Picayune. There's not much else there to find on, on the Fazans at the library. Um, you go through, you're looking for, trying to cross-reference uh, Fazan, Bousseau, um, um, 
civil war, voodoo, you know, just trying to find what's at the intersection of any of those topics. And it's pretty much all you found here. Having uh, some local knowledge of the area, would I would I be familiar enough to, to know where that Fazan farm was or was it not specific enough? Um, well, make, can you make an idea roll? Sure. is 69 so that is going to be a miss okay well you would you would know where you would you would know that that information could probably be found but probably not in the civil war section of the library gotcha i'd also like to look up just some general voodoo stuff see if there's anything talking about dark black voodoo and Kind of a kind of history of voodoo. Yeah, yeah. And while the professor's doing that, I'd like to go investigate any city records to try and look at the properties, both for um, properties owned by the Fasans, uh, either in the city or outside of it, and also which businesses um, used to belong to the Bussos. Okay. So you guys gonna split up? Yeah. How big a library is it? Pretty big? Well, it's a university library. It's big. That's pretty big. So, uh, uh, Remy, that would be probably down by City Hall. Okay. I'll head down there. All right. Is anyone going with Remy? Yes, and you're still not 100%, you know, in terms of in terms of your health, but you are feeling better. You're not, you're not fully on the mend, but you're not feeling like death. Okay. Well, somebody needs to go with with Remy just to keep. Oh, for sure, I'm going to go. I'll definitely go with him. Sorry. And uh, Rose, what are you, what are you doing, or what are you researching? Well, uh, I'm lost in the cookbook section, <laughs> so I can go with Remy if they want. Somebody wants to come and retrieve me, okay. tear me away from all the food. All right. Okay. We're running around going. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Professor, what? Uh, give me an idea more specifically about what kind of uh, what kind of voodoo. I mean, there's a lot on folk history of the area. Um, you can find I, books on you know the African roots of voodoo and any any sort of documentation. Maybe somebody's written um, a paper on like an anthropological paper on the practices of voodoo. And I'm hoping to stumble across something that might indicate what happened to Remy, what happened to uh, Marceau, as far as maybe poisons or something like that go. It's pretty specific is what I'm looking for. Yeah. What you mostly find is probably nothing that specific of like, here's like, you know the the voodoo anarchist cookbook of like right uh, right do but like um, I didn't think I would but but fr from an anthropological perspective what you find is a, a lot of great material on the African roots of voodoo and the Haitian roots of voodoo uh, and how it how it kind of converged in New Orleans so um, uh, slaves brought from Liberia and other parts of Western Africa brought their own 
folk practices with them, um, largely tied to the practice of uh, communicating with the spirits, um, right. mostly in a, in, a, in a positive sense, so more of the good spirits. Right. Um, when you get more into reading about Haitian voodoo, that's where some of the, the darker stuff starts to come out. Um, you start, start to read mentions of the, the Rada Loa or the, the evil spirits, but also a, a perversion of that where when the practice of communicating with the spirits gets combined with uh, folk medicine and, and darker folk practices, you start to see the, the, the word bokor, B-O-K-O-R, um, being mentioned. A bokor would be like a, a practitioner of evil. Witch doctor. Witch doc yeah, essentially a witch doctor. And then all of that, Converged the, the Western the Western African strain of of voodoo, the Caribbean strain of voodoo, uh, heavily influenced by Catholicism, and all just being mixed into a gumbo pot in New Orleans. Right, right. Okay. Could I could I expand on that? Um, I'm wondering. So in, just in speaking in general terms, voodoo necessarily by itself would be considered good and the Haitian or the hoodoo would be considered evil? No, well, I, think that's an, I think that's an oversimplification. Okay. Um, that's it's, not, it's not really that, that dynamic. Where, where the darker strain of uh, Caribbean or Haitian voodoo comes into play is where it starts being intermingled with dark folk magic um, by practitioners called bokor. Okay. Would so you also so say there are evil elements within voodoo itself? Yes. Yeah, yeah, voodoo okay. itself is not inherently good or, or evil. There are uh, benevolent are... and malicious spirits right. that can be manipulated or, or connected with. There are there are spirits that are that are very helpful and some that are dangerous. Yeah. To invoke. If you get into the theology of it, um, there is a, essentially a godhead called the Bondi that doesn't that is kind of the creator of the universe. Um, you know, but doesn't take direct direct action in, into the affairs of humans. The Loa uh, spirits do that. So. What practitioners of voodoo do, and, it, and it's kind of its purest form, it, and this is what Mala does, you would know now, is commune with the Loa on behalf of intervening in, 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 in the affairs of humans. So we're going to help this person find a job. The Loa are going to help this person get pregnant. Um, they're going to, um, uh, you know, they're going to help this person find their their missing son on, on Rampart Street. Con conversely, would you uh, invoke one of these darker, more dangerous ones with considerable risk to seek revenge on your enemies or uh, something like that? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you can also you know do do more malevolent bidding. But it's usually a dangerous game, isn't it? Because these darker Loa, they'll take advantage of you. <laughs> if you open the door, you don't know what comes through, right? Um, so that's kind of what you find uh, regarding voodoo. I, I hope that's helpful for you. Yeah. Um, Remy and, and friends, 
you're at City Hall. Um, what you learn through your research um, is that the Bosseau family were a, a pretty influential family in the late 19th century, early 20th century, uh, very influential in New Orleans around politicians, business people, artists. Uh, when the Civil War came, that, that kind of changed, uh, or as Aunt Loretta calls it, the war of Northern aggression. Uh, the Brousseaux lost a lot of members of their family um, during 1862, 1863. Um, if you research the Faisans, um, you learn that prior to 1863, they were a substantial family, a free family of color, and had several land holdings in the city. Um, after 1863, um, all, all the mentions in the city records of the Faisans pretty much disappear. Uh, which would coincide with what Hitler had told you about them being driven out of town. Um, can you guys make whoever's at City Hall make a library use roll? That is that is a two, so that is a extreme oh, wow. pass. Okay. Uh, so Remy, what, what books? <laughs> no cook, there's no cookbooks at City Hall, um, uh -huh. but Remy, you do find um, you do find information uh, stating that three members of the Faison family moved to what was in an unincorporated area of the Bayou in 1864. Um, it that property corresponds to the area that's that's currently known as uh, Bayou Lake Catherine. Bayou Lake Catherine. Mm -hmm. And you can you know you can see it on the map, but there's no like it is it is wild bayou you know it is essentially wild swamp. There's no there's no real road going out to it. You know it's identified on the map. Okay, perfect. Cool. That is what you guys learn through your research. Very good. All right, so I'll propose to the group then that we meet back up with the others. Okay. One last thing I kind of want to look at at the library. <coughs> Excuse me. I'd like to look at uh, local newspapers and see if there's like any weird deaths or things that have like increased lately. Are there any other Bussos in town that have died or? Well, not not that you can find. I mean, Bussau wouldn't be a, a super uncommon name. Um, but uh, Aunt Loretta has told you that, as far as she knows, anyway, uh, she, Mama, Marcel, Katerina were the last of their family. Well, how about businesses being uh, the people who own businesses dropping dead for no reason? Like I'm still thinking, my character is still thinking that somebody like the mafia is just using fear to take over businesses in some way. I don't know how it would work, but, you know, they're they're nasty people. Yeah, nothing nothing really that emerges. Um, Leon, give me a, a percentile roll. I'm not going to tell you to match it on any kind of skill or anything. Uh, 54. Okay. Cool, thank you. So at this point, it's getting pretty late in the day. Um, you guys have been, it, it, you know, we, we went through this pretty quickly, but it took you a, a long way to find this. City Hall is definitely shut down for the day. Um, the library is going to be closing soon. I probably can't resist showing them my office before we leave. 
<laughs> Here's where it's all going to happen. <clears throat> all right. So you take them to uh, through the, the the small building that's off the uh, off the side of St. Charles Avenue, where uh, where about seventy five years later, your keeper would have his office in the very same building. Um, and it is a uh, uh, you know pretty pretty Spartan, but uh, you know it's nice at seeing Leon's name on the uh, on the door there. That's my name, Leon, right there in solid gold letters. Okay, brass. <laughs> All right, and then we're going to meet back up somewhere. Uh, you probably get ready for some dinner. Remy, what what's the name of your speakeasy? Uh, the Bourbon Barrel. The Bourbon Barrel. Do they have food there? Not 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 quite not quite up there. to not quite up to the standard of uh, Chef Padu's establishment, but uh, we'll we'll fix you some, something. Some might not call it food, but there's stuff to eat there. We should go to Chef's restaurant. Are you talking about his place or your place? <laughs> so we eat somewhere and we go somewhere. <laughs> well, uh, uh, not not far from Remy's place, there is a, a very nice restaurant called Two J's. Two J's. And as you approach Two J's, you you smell a very familiar scent that is just since you haven't really eaten much today. Uh, since the since the wake, if you ate anything at the wake, uh, something you can't resist, which is to say, the smell of ball and crawfish. Crawfish. Right. <clears throat> so let, let's just take a minute and see. You guys are just uh, newspaper on the table. Waiter comes over, dumps out a huge pot of crawfish, probably about thirty pounds worth. Big old pile yeah. for you guys. Yep, and you just tear in, and the waiter says, "Don't forget to suck the heads, Miss. You got to uh, 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 for your uh, uh, in case you don't know how to eat crawfish, you must pinch the tails and suck the heads." Hmm. Where do we look like? Yeah, what I've been doing. <laughs> What's that? I said, "Do we look like we're greenhorns?" <laughs> And then he these demonstrates. Are, these are the damn smallest lobsters I've ever seen. <laughs> he, he detects a lot of uh, he detects a lot of New England accents among you people. So uh, he's going to demonstrate. He'll pick up a crawfish and uh, and, uh, and and pinch the tail, pull off the head, suck all the juice out of it, and then uh, pull the, the shells off the tail and pop it in his mouth. And he says, and "That's how we do it around here." Highly familiar with seafood. Yeah. Delicious. So let's just take a minute um, to anything that you guys want to talk about before we move on. Well, gentlemen, let's think this through. And lady, sorry. What have we learned? There's something going on between two groups. The Bersos are one of them. And for all intents and purposes, the uh, Fazans are the other. But well, we know that there was a rivalry between them, but the 
Bazan's got chased off. Well, this may be a revenge sort of thing. But it's a late and coming revenge. Best um, kind of revenge. That man who was at the funeral, would you say he was as old as Loretta? Not pretty old. I thought that he was just dressed in a in a as a caretaker. But anyone can dress like that. And be invisible. You know, my well, first thought was that if this war has reemerged and Marcel was the first victim of it, that would mean Mama and Catherine are next. They are Brousseau's. We need to get some, some protection. What do you think, Detective? You are so quiet, Detective. He sounds good to me, sir. This is free. keeps freezing in mind for some reason. You think uh, this is all just a hunch, though? I'm, I, I, would would your department be able to allocate somebody to watch the house? I'm not sure that there's serious cause for danger yet. We might be making this all up in our heads. Still, well, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? How how could we go about figuring out if the Fazants are still around? Well, in order for them to practice any of their voodoo, they would need uh, types of materials you need to do voodoo with, right? That's right. And it, I'm not sure if the stuff that you find over on... Uh, over on the where the voodoo shops are, are legitimately real stuff. Mama what's, might be able to point us in the direction of some more legitimate sources. If they're, if their modus operandi, pardon my Latin, is uh, slaughtering cattle, there might be a way to trace that. See who's been buying at cattle, and. Uh, doesn't have a farm. Um, any suggestions? The only other thing I can think of is to follow up on the old site where the Fazans used to live, uh, see if there's any activity going on out there. I, that's That's been land that's long been reclaimed by the marsh, but uh, not, not an easy trek to be sure. It's but a good idea. Maybe worth checking out. I'm also thinking, you know, in a city the size of New Orleans at this point in time, and so many years removed, if members of the Fazan family just moved back into town four blocks over, how would we know that they were there? Who would stop them? The Bousseaux are obviously not policing the city any longer. No, an old Creole family like that moving back into town would certainly generate some kind of buzz. Maybe, if they aren't using some sort of alias. They could pretend to be something else. Or old Willie could be uh, one of them. Bo Willie? <laughs> well, 
it's not so not so unheard of. I mean, I would probably, considering the uh, um, the stigma of being a member of that family in this town, you're probably not going to find a doctor, a lawyer, or a, a politician with that last name, but a shoeshine boy? Newspaper sure enough. guy? Sure enough, Mo Willie was one of the last few people to see Marcel alive. That's true. Or even somebody who works in a speakeasy. And I don't mean you. Though you work in a speakeasy and you were stung and chicken footed. It's a verb now. It's a verb. <laughs> You've been chicken footed. How about your uh, your partner there? What do you know about him? For that matter, what do you know about yourself? What if you're related to the Bosos? You're the native here. If they were a prominent family. Well, my, I, I don't know much about my family's history. I was pretty close with my mother and father, but they passed away many years ago. So mm. I don't know much about my family's history. Any old family Bibles that you got? If you got any relatives that got family Bibles? Uh, no relics around here. Write their, write their yeah. genealogies, you know, in the, the family Bible. Last, last living relative I have is my brother, and he's out west. So, uh, Where, California? Jesus Christ. What a <laughs> shithole that place is. <laughs> Oh, you guys are getting to the bottom of your 30-pound pile of crawfish. Getting pretty full and pretty tired. It's been a, a long day. Yeah, why don't we call it a day? You guys want to get together in the morning? Yeah. Sounds like a good plan to me. Sounds good. Detective, what can we do about the Bousseau family? Should we... I don't think any amount of police protection would have prevented Marcel's death. No, if this is a, some sort of a voodoo war, there's not much we can do. I think this is out of our hands. We've... Well, let's keep our eyes open, but see what we can do to prevent anything from happening. But for now, let's get together for breakfast in the morning. Why don't y'all come to my restaurant? I'll cook a nice breakfast for everybody and we'll get started there. Excellent. Would you cook those little corn fritter things that you used to do back in the... Sure. You still corn, do those? those corn yolks? Corn hose? Yeah. Would you call them corn hose? Corn hose. That's the things. All right. All right. So you guys call it a night and head back and you kind of reflecting on the day and <clears throat> the last few days you're thinking about Marcel and you're hoping that this is the end of it. You know, you're hoping that Aunt Loretta is wrong. You're hoping that Marcel just drank himself to death and that uh, a, a horrible coincidence caused him and Remy to get bit by a similar strain of spider. 
you're encouraged that Remy's feeling better. Leon, you're thinking about these things as you uh, as you climb into bed and trying to take your mind off of things. You you look over a, a, on your nightstand. There's a book that uh, that Katerina was talking about that she lent to you, and it's a it's a book of poems by Langston Hughes. And you start thumbing through it, and uh, in that book, there's a poem called "A Negro Speaks of Rivers," and it's a magnificent poem. And you read it a few times, and you drift off to sleep. And that night, you dream about rivers, and you're back in Boston, and you're at Miskatonic University, and you're looking out over the mighty Miskatonic River, and there's a boat right there on the, on the shore, a small boat, and you get on that boat, and it starts to sail down the river, and you're looking out over the wonderful and haunted city of Arkham, and at some point, you don't know how much time passes, but at some point the Miskatonic River turns itself into the Mississippi River. And you find yourself coming down that river on your way to the Gulf of Mexico, returning to the magnificent and haunted city of New Orleans. And you decide, and you don't know why, to step off the side of that boat into the water. And as you do, you start to go under and you just let yourself fall under and it gets hard to breathe. And that muddy water, you can taste it and you can, and, and it's filling your lungs and you can taste it in your mouth and you can smell it. And it smells like, like river mud. And, and that's that, that smell gets stronger and stronger and it gets harder and harder to breathe. And, and, and you uh, actually find yourself drowning and it gets harder and harder to breathe and there's a burn and that fills your, your brain and your lungs and you start to choke. <clears throat> and all of a sudden you feel a, a incredible tightness around your neck and you open your eyes and you stare right into the eyes of your friend, Marcel Brousseau. The last thing you can remember smelling is the dirt of the grave uh, from the cemetery as he was put in with that grave dirt into his tomb and he's got his hands around your neck squeezing the life out of you. That's where we're going to call it tonight. Do I have to hold my breath until next week? <laughs> I think we all are. Gotta have to do that. Oh my god. Great ending. You can do a cliffhanger, sir. That's a good cliffhanger. For sure. I'm I'm, I'm hang, hanging. <laughs> literally. Maybe literally, yeah. Yeah. All right. Our players included Joshua Hook, Kim Smeltzer, Jeff Wilkins, Greg Malcolm, and myself with Kurt LeBlanc as the Keeper of the Secrets. The music that we're using for this campaign is Save My Soul by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Uh, they were kind enough to let us uh, use it. Uh, they gave us their permission. Uh, I put a link in uh, the description below to their YouTube channel. Uh, we're currently producing four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a ritual listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our show free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. Patrons of our show can now enjoy recordings of our pre- and post-game conversations uh, when we first publish them. Some of the funniest and most interesting stuff occurs before and after the show. 
If you'd like to become a patron, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month will help us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We love hearing from you. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our, our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.